Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. I believe this is the start of week 13? Is that right? Week 13, wow. Anyways, we're almost done. Um, I'm joined, as always, on this Tuesday with Raymond Summerlin. Um, you can check out Ray's waiver wire column on Roto World. You can check him out on Twitter at RM Summerlin. You can check him out on the Thursday episode of this very podcast, as he puts it, and on Thursdays with me on the Roto World Fantasy Football Kickoff, presented by Kia. That's the Roto World Fantasy Football Kickoff, presented by Kia. Ray, there's a lot to talk about with these waivers. Um, some names that we've hit on the last few weeks that maybe we weren't, you know, comfortable suggesting as must ads who have kind of blown up and done really well, um, especially this past weekend. So you're going to hear some names that are familiar, but ones that we now have more information on, and hopefully more information means uh, correct process and the correct result. Uh, let's start with Tyreek Hill. Um, obviously a rookie who, I don't even know how to put it, a tumultuous college career who everyone called a freak on the field in terms of his speed. Um and now we've seen him with the Kansas City Chiefs without Jeremy Macklin. They really kind of force-feed him the ball, manufacture touches, and even creates plays. Um, what should we do about Tyreek Hill moving forward, Ray? Well, I, I've had him as an ad for at least two weeks. I think maybe longer than that. But still, like, and, what's his percentage now? Uh, his percentage, I believe, is up to 36. Yeah. So it's not – I mean, it's still there. He's still out there in, in a ton of leagues. And I know a lot of people dropped him, at least in the leagues that I'm in, because he was facing the Broncos. Yeah, and in fact, I had him, like I was about to say, I was going to tell on myself, I had him as an ad last week, but I had moved him down my list because of the Broncos and because we didn't know what was coming down with Jeremy Macklin moving forward, although Macklin didn't practice again last week. We really have no idea what's going to happen with him. And uh, I actually even benched him in in a couple lineups in in leagues that I have him. So I was out on him last week, and that obviously proved to be (laughs) incorrect. He scored three total touchdowns, uh, a receiving score, which – you know, maybe wasn't a receiving score and a, and a rushing score. And they gave him more than 10 targets, the second time with more than 10 targets in the last three games. And I think if we're looking at him moving forward, even if Macklin comes back, he's offering something that this offense really hasn't had recently that Macklin kind of offered last year, but it hasn't been there yet. I think he's going to continue to see targets and their schedule over the next three weeks is great. They get the Falcons, the Raiders, and the Titans. I, I like him in all three of those matchups. I think he's a must add. I think he needs to be owned in every league and in a okay week for wide receivers, at least on the wire, it's not great, but it's okay. I think he's pretty clearly the number one ad. And I think it's worth noting that Andy Reed has tried to add this type of player in the past in DeAnthony Thomas. Um, and that one didn't work out, even though we've seen DeAnthony be used on the special teams and be okay in that area. Like Tyree kills an actual offensive threat and offensive weapon. And for a team that throws two-yard outs on third and 16 (laughs) plays, which we know that Alex Smith does each and every week, um, having someone who can absolutely dominate after the catch like Tyreek Hill, and you mentioned his his, um, schedule. Like, it's really, really good. And let's throw out the name in 2012, Ray, uh, because I'm looking at their draft history, uh, Devin Wiley. So if you remember that name. Uh, If we go further further back than that, we get to Dexter McCluster, right? Oh, yeah. So draft Twitter, a few favorites and not so much favorites. But yeah, I mean, this this type of player he's he's wanted and he actually has a really, really good player on the field in this one. How about another player, Ray, who 
has dominated after the catch and has come from the Browns because they just cut him and the Falcons have used him. And again, manufactured touches are kind of the name of his game. But Taylor Gabriel had two outstanding touchdowns this past weekend. This is a player, Ray, that I, I would be concerned about his usage moving forward, his his, his opportunities moving forward. Um, how should someone like me handle him? I think it's I think it's reasonable to be worried about exactly exactly what we can expect from him moving forward. But it is important to note that he had five targets in three straight games now. In fact, he was part of the deep cuts conversation. It was a great it was a great weekend for deep cuts, by the way. But he had a he had a he was in the deep cut conversation before their buy. Three weeks in a row with five targets, that's pretty impressive. He hasn't really done much with them before that. He had one catch for 76 yards that happened to go for a touchdown against the Eagles before the bye at 52 yards against the Bucks in week nine. I, I agree with you that he's kind of a manufactured, manufactured touch guy, but he has been able to, on kind of limited touches, produce big plays and produce big yardage in the past. His first year with Cleveland, he went for 621 yards mm-hmm. and a touchdown on only 72 targets. We've kind of seen this before. And in deeper leagues, if you're kind of looking for that kind of dart throw wide receiver four, that Ted Ginn type, right. I think that I think that Taylor Gabriel falls into that range. And so if you're in the type of league that Ted Ginn is a useful option, I think that in a better offense even, Gabriel can be can be that kind of option as well. So I think maybe in 14 team leagues, maybe even in you know in 12 team leagues that play four receivers, I think he can be useful moving forward. Yeah, and because of injuries, and we talked about this in, on the Thursday show. Um, because the injuries like I have with uh, A.J. Green and Gio Bernard was out and Alshon suspended, um, I had to play receivers like Adam Thielen, like Eli Rogers, and retrospectively, obviously, both of these players would have been better options, much higher ceilings, obviously, than either of those. And, Ray, I should bring this up uh, because it crossed the Twitter feed at this very moment, but it might be time to let go of your D.J. Foster shares uh, because he has been weighed by the Patriots. So. <sighs> Right. I will. I will remember this one moment. I remember this one moment for the rest of my where, life. Where were you when DJ Foster was let go by the Patriots? Um, th- Which time is probably a question we'll have to answer the future. That's true. That is very true. Uh, th- there's a couple of other wide receivers and mainly slot guys. Um, Dontrell Inman had a huge play um, this past weekend. Uh, kind of a double move out of the slot, and he was able to score a touchdown on it. I mean, he's gotten a handful of targets each and every week. It seems like. Um, Again, maybe not a ceiling player unless he gets a long touchdown. But again, um, with Tyra Williams seemingly healthy, is Dontrell Edmond kind of high in the priority list in terms of wide receivers? No, I and you know we had, we had planned to talk about Edmond before before the Williams was you know announced as being okay. Now that he is, I mean, he's the number two option, maybe maybe the two B if Travis Benjamin you know it gets more involved next week. Obviously, he was coming back from the injury against the Texans. It is notable that he had 119 yards and a touchdown against a pretty good Texans mm-hmm. pass defense, like you said, on that double move. Quentin Demps is still recovering from that double move <laughs> that he that he you know he put 52 yards. Uh, a lot of that was down to the the Chargers and what they were doing as well. They did a great job setting up those plays with their short passing early. But he made a couple other great plays, including some third down conversions. So it was there. The problem is, like you said, Williams is coming back. It looks like Williams is going to be healthy moving forward. And Inman had kind of been a, a five for 55 kind of guy, even with Travis Benjamin out before that. I, I mean, they have a great schedule, an absolutely great schedule against the pass down the stretch. But 
it's tough for me to see him as anything more as le- than like a a wide receiver four in deeper leagues and, right. and maybe maybe a little bit better than that in PPR. And how about Quincy and Nunma, who I still have on tons of rosters because of what he did earlier in the year. And then that Jets passing attack uh, really fell off a cliff. Um, obviously, Nunma put pulled down a unbelievable touchdown catch with his rear end in this weekend's game. Um, what about Nunma? I mean, is, is there optimism for the rest of his schedule or is he – um, kind of just a secondary pass-catching threat in this offense that has really l- lacked um, or has not lived up to the potential that we thought there was. I mean, I really think you hit on it. Tell me if you heard this before. Okay. But Anunua had a big game and came down with a nice play <laughs> right? and a touchdown, and we should all pick him up. Have you heard that before? Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly what week it is. It might have been all of weeks uh, two, three four and then he did nothing something like that so. yeah i mean he had he had i think 120 yards and a touchdown against the browns in week eight or something crazy like that uh it was all the time i, I mean, don't start him ray is when he does well well that's kind of the point is that you know he had a big game against the browns week eight he has two catches the next two games total i mean he has a big game now what are we going to see moving forward i think he has to be picked up because they do get the colts and the 49ers the next two weeks which i mean obviously you can't you can't hope for a better schedule than those two teams, and so he needs to be added. But as, as you know, as an Anunwa owner, you have mm. to proceed with the utmost caution moving forward. I, I'm not; he's definitely not somebody I'm fighting to get into my lineup this week, even in a great matchup. I think he's kind of like he'll be ranked in that wide receiver 35 to 40 range with with maybe upside because of the matchup for a little bit more. Now to a name Ray that you talked about last week. I laughed at you. Um, because his quarterback is Matt Barkley and because it's the name we've heard for three or four years. I can't even remember how long. It's kind of like a twilight zone. Uh, Marcus Wilson, Marquise Wilson, whatever, one of the two, um, with the Chicago Bears. Look, the Tennessee Titans did nothing to show who the Matt, real Matt Barkley is. Um, like he, he looked somewhat decent at times, and he really fed Wilson with targets. And honestly, he, he fed the other receivers with targets, but like Cameron Meredith, but Cameron Meredith didn't pull any or many down. I think just two. Um, gosh. Okay. Among the names we just mentioned, Ray, where does Wilson rank in there? Well, first of all, I want to say that you did not just, you did not just like, you did <laughs> you not just like, the bus brush here, him Ray. aside. We're We're you, you met it with haughty derision. <laughs> I did. It's I a, laughed. I giggled. You I scoffed. Um, and like you said, Barkley came in, he targeted him. He had eight catches, 125 yards and a touchdown. You mentioned Cameron Meredith, who had nine touches, nine targets. You're, you're right; he only pulled down two. He still played 22 more snaps mm-hmm. than Marcus Wilson, so that's something to keep in mind. But if you look at this situation and the fact that every other receiver that was targeted a lot, and there there were a ton. Of, I mean, I think Matt Barkley threw it 54 times or something like that. He threw to some tight ends I've never heard of. Yeah, exactly. Like there were there were there were people getting uh, Daniel Brown caught yep, a touchdown. That Is that guy. true? Never yeah, so. could not tell you one thing about Daniel Brown. Exactly. It was a. Uh, it felt like week four of the preseason for sure. But if you know, with all those other guys, especially in 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 you know the most important times of the game on that last drive, dropping passes, it wouldn't it wouldn't be crazy for the Bears to come out and try to feature Marcus Wilson, who by the way they're gonna have to make a decision on soon because he's a free agent after this year, which is Hashtag a, is a contract to, year, <laughs> which is a hint to all you dynasty owners that might be looking for a, a deep stash. I'm just saying. Oh my so, gosh. Hey, these are the kind of guys. These are the kind yep. of guys you put Who on the bench. They end up in a better spot. They pay off. There you go. 
that's true. So the but yeah, I think that there's a good chance that he ends up being featured. And guess what? They get the 49ers this week. Their defense is still terrible. Yeah. It's their Colin Kaepernick is going to score a lot of points against this defense. They're going to have to be put in the same game script situation. Barkley's going to have to throw again. The 49ers can't stop anybody. I like I like Wilson a lot. I haven't officially ranked the guys, but just kind of looking at it, just kind of eyeballing it. He's going to be say it. second, third yep. on the list behind Hill and I think and I I'm I'm really comfortable with him being there. You you're very on brand with this Ray. Um where have you heard this before? There was some optimism for Marcus Wilson and then maybe in the future he lets us down a little bit. No? Have no. you heard that one before? Yeah, absolutely I've heard it before. And this could he could be there's still some Brian Quick and on and Andre Holmes uh-huh. uh, shares uh-huh. on my dynasty teams who are both free agents after last year who I did the same thing with so there's certainly that it turned into that but you know you never know so we just need to target whoever the Seth Roberts is on the Chicago Bears is what you're saying <laughs> yes Lo- that- locate who that player is <laughs> um, Daniel Brown obviously there, Daniel Brown honestly and I pride myself on knowing a lot about where players went to college and stuff. Could not tell you a single thing about Daniel Brown, ever. Didn't show up in Spark Scores. Didn't show up at Senior Bowls or East West Shrine, any of that stuff. I mean, he could be like 35. I don't even know. Um, <laughs> Kenneth Dixon, uh, a guy who's close to my heart, Ray, um, saw a lot of, maybe not a lot of volume, but he saw a, a lot of time on the field, let's put it that way, with this terrible Ravens offense in, in parts and ways. Um, you mentioned him as probably the top running back ad this week is it just because his his opportunity is growing his 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 time on the field is growing or do you think that this can eventually turn into a, a one-person backfield with Kenneth Dixon well Wendell Smallwood's still out there and and got it and 51 percent of league so he'll be the top ad Dixon's been on the list for a while he'll he'll be near the top of the list the the thing is that he did have a, a pretty big workload he had 17 touches which actually won more than Terrence West Terrence West did have the same number of opportunities, but he didn't haul in all of his targets. He played more snaps than Terrence West, which is it's the first happening. time that's happened this year. It's happening. And that's definitely a that's definitely a big deal. But West, like I said, still had 16 touches. Uh he was still around. He's probably a better bet for touchdowns. Terrence the West Raven, hashtag still around. <laughs> still that's that's really a good like that should be his nickname. Terrence <laughs> Still uh, around West. Still around West. That uh, should be. That's that Kanye's be next uh, baby's name, I guess. Still around? No. <laughs> that's is, is that that's a good joke? quality. Is that relevant? That is quality, Norris. <laughs> it's about as updated as I get, Ray. <laughs> Getting in there with the millennials with the Kanye yeah, West baby. The, joke. the the eighteen to twenty four crowd. We're always looking for you. <laughs> so, but but back on Dixon, the biggest problem he has, other than a timeshare with Terrence West, which I still don't think is going to go away completely is the fact that the Ravens have scored 17 offensive touchdowns this year. 17. That's it. If they get a goal line carry, I would imagine it's still going to be West. They're not going to get many of those anyway. I actually don't think the story has changed much on Dixon from what he's been, is that he's kind of a a guy in 12-team leagues. If you need a running back three, he can provide that value. But I think he's a low-ceiling player. And as a result, I really don't know how useful he's going to be in shallow leagues. Let's finish out with a really important topic um, in Colin Kaepernick in terms of this is a player that we've talked about every single week for a while, right? Um, since probably his first start this year. Um, this is someone who Rich Rebar in his worksheet points out every single week that you should probably start Colin Kaepernick at the very least as a streaming option. Um, Ray, you told me he's like still only 
owned in like 36% of leagues or something like that? No, 24. That's bogus, okay? So my question to you, Ray, is obviously everyone should pick him up, right? And and we don't necessarily usually advocate for having two quarterbacks on your roster if you have a really, really um, great one, right, that that is, is dominating your season. But th- there just really aren't many of those this year. Um, it's not just the point of picking him up, Ray. We're kind of at that point, aren't we, where you should absolutely consider starting Colin Kaepernick each and every week, regardless of the opponent almost. Yeah, I mean, he is a must-start option at this point. I mean, I don't know what else he needs to do. Uh, at the Dolphins, you know, across the country on the East Coast, for an early with an early start against an improving defense, that was his toughest spot until he gets to Week 17 against the Seahawks, and he absolutely demolished them. He had 113 yards on the ground, 296 through the air, three passing touchdowns. Next up, he gets the Bears, which we talked about earlier. Then he gets the Jets. Then he gets the Falcons, and then he gets the Rams. Are you sitting him in any mm. of those matchups with the way he's playing? I'm, I'm certainly not. And if you kind of look down the list at, at quarterbacks and, and you know the quarterbacks that are owned in over fifty percent of the leagues, I mean he's obviously over guys like Andy Dalton, Blake Bortles, right. Carson Palmer. I would rather have Colin Kaepernick than Derek Carr. So can I ask? Can point. I ask you another name? Because this is the sure. dilemma I have, have. I have this week. Um, I have Matt Stafford up against the Saints, I believe, versus Colin Kaepernick going up against the Bears. And again, this isn't final, and I'm going to ask you about this on Thursday's Roto World Fantasy Football Kickoff presented by Kia. That's a Roto World Fantasy Football Kickoff presented by Kia. So you can change your answer from now until then, but that's the dilemma I already have early this week. I'm going with Kaepernick. Yep. I mean, the I know they give up three touchdowns to Jared Goff, which I mean, you should be eliminated from the playoffs for doing that. But I, I think that the Saints defense is better relegated. and has been yeah, it should definitely be relegated. <laughs> I think that the I think that the Saints defense is better and has been playing better. Stafford, you know, their their offense has kind of been figured out a little bit. This, yep. They're trying to push it downfield more often, or they did against the Vikings to varying varying success against to Marvin Jones. Perhaps they're able to do that again. But I mean, how do you how do you not go with the floor? of Colin Kaepernick and his rushing upside gives you averaging 60 rushing yards a game or something like that. How do you not go with that floor, especially against a bears defense, which is lost their middle linebacker again. Both middle linebackers are out. Like they, they don't have any pass rushers. Their secondaries. Like, how do you not start Colin Kaepernick? I think in that situation. And and you mentioned that what cap had 113 rushing yards last week. Like I understand he might turn the ball over at some point, but that's an 11 point floor immediately. Like that's absolutely amazing. As as Reeves points out, it's the Konami code, right? You just exactly, yeah. immediately get these points, and it's your floor. And meanwhile, Matt Stafford's putting up fifteen to seventeen points. So I'm with you, Ray. I mean, I'm I'm looking at Cap and feeling really good about it. So again, he's only owned in twenty four percent of leagues out there. Not only just pick him up, absolutely think about starting him because we're at that point where uh, people are are scrambling for quarterbacks, and he's a viable top twelve option, one hundred percent. Let's. End I with- could give you. Hold on, I can give you an anecdote. I was yeah. I was on a, I was on a radio show, and someone asked me Matt Ryan or Colin Kaepernick last week. Yeah. And I waffled on it, and the radio host thought it was a joke, and I said it's not a joke. This is a very real question. Right. And I went with Matt Ryan out of safety, and and because it was kind of a tough spot for Kaepernick, I'm not doing that again. I yeah. mean. Matt Ryan has a has a a decently tough matchup, I believe. Oh, he has the Chiefs up next. Kind of tough, but I think that Colin Kaepernick is is in that level with Matt Ryan. Like that's right. where we're talking about with Colin Kaepernick now. We know how this ends, though. Now, Ray, don't we? Yeah. <laughs>
Oh uh, no, he's gonna he's he's going to <laughs> lay an egg against the Bears. Yep, we know and how all this of us one ends. We're just gonna rage quit. <laughs> Twitter. Uh, let's end with the deep cut section. Um, Ray, this has given you names like Tyreek Hill, Colin Kaepernick, Taylor Gabriel in the past. Which fortune teller name are you going to pull out of the hat this time? I just mixed all sorts of catchphrases there, but you get the gist. Uh, I, I noticed you left out Marcus Wilson. Yeah, but, that, uh, that guy. <laughs> we'll move past it. Uh, I think. Uh, so did the I NFL think... for the last three years. But... <laughs> Fair enough. I think uh, Shane Vereen's the most interesting name that's out there in the deep cuts. Uh, he interesting. He's coming back week fourteen. It looks like the the Rashad Chittings, obviously, because this is how the NFL works. Busted in a great spot against the Browns after playing pretty well. Yep. You know they are getting Paul Perkins involved. This offense still can't run. They still can't throw the ball more than ten yards down the field. That seems to fit Shane Vereen, who, by the way, was a pretty good fantasy player. Before he went down, if you go back and look at his numbers, if he's able to come back in week 14 in kind of deeper PPR leagues, I think he's very, very interesting. And then a guy who is owned in less than 5% of leagues, but I don't know, I don't think he's a deep cut coming off of three touchdowns in the last two games is is Malcolm Mitchell. Mm -hmm. The, The issue with Malcolm Mitchell is he still played less than half of the snaps with Chris Hogan back last week. Chris Hogan played, I believe, every single snap, which he has been doing. But you would think that he starts to eat into that a little bit if he continues to play this way. And with Rob Gronkowski out, they could certainly they could certainly run out you know less two two tight end sets. They certainly will have to run out fewer uh, two tight end sets. That could give that could give Mitchell some look. I think he's I think he's kind of a not even just a deep cut. I think he's an add in fourteen team leagues, not to start immediately, but to kind of see see what happens, see what he can do in this offense that obviously has a lot of upside. Yeah, and you mentioned Vereen. And, Ray, I mean, and you know I'm, I was a little bit pessimistic about Paul Perkins compared to everyone who absolutely loved him. Um, but I thought Perkins has, like, looked good. Um, they just, like, not giving him that many opportunities. Um, so who knows what Vereen added to that will do the whole thing. But in terms of players coming back from injury, I mean, obviously Sammy Watkins was mentioned for a while. Um, A.J. Green will be one of those. Alshon will be one of those coming back from suspension. Um, Amir Abdullah, who you mentioned, Adrian Peterson. Shane Vereen's a new name in that group. So it's if you have an IR spot and all those other guys are taken up, uh, even though Alshon doesn't qualify, um, why not? Um, uh, I yeah, add another ahead. name to that list, too. Charles Sims, who yep. looks like he's going to be back in a couple weeks as well. Ray, I will talk to you on Thursday. As all of you know, Ray has a podcast on Thursday with Nick Minzio and Rich Rebar on this same platform. Um, he, also, he is also uh, lucky enough to join me and Paul Burmeister on the digital television on NBCSports.com at 3 Eastern. And I also believe it'll air before the Thursday game at 7 Eastern. Um, and Ray, you can check out his waiver column as well. I'm trying to plug all your stuff here, Ray. Oh, and I didn't even mention this. Thank you all for rating and reviewing. Helps us reach the new listeners as much as possible. So, Ray, on with my spiel, and I'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, talk to you later, man.